Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to welcome as our special guest for this podcast, Dr. Eric Lagasse. Dr. Lagasse is an associate professor in the Department of Pathology and responsible for the cancer stem cell program at the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine. Dr. Lagasse, welcome back to Regenerative Medicine today. Hi, John. So I say welcome back because for our listeners, uh, Dr. Lagasse joined us for podcast 45 some time ago. So if you like to listen to an old discussion about some of Dr. Lagasse's work, you can find it on the website. Uh, the reason I asked Dr. Lagasse to join us today is that he and his research team recently published a very interesting paper that relates to the use of lymph nodes to provide liver function. Dr. Lagasse, perhaps the first place to begin is that some people talk about various types of stem cell therapies for liver failure. What's the status of that technology from both a technological and a clinical perspective? To go back a little bit, what we can talk about first is what kind of issue we have with uh, liver disease. In the U.S., just in the U.S., you have around 100,000 people every year show up at the hospital with what's called end-stage liver disease, which is basically a failure of the liver. The organ is failing. The only solution for these patients is really liver transplant. And the problem, the second problem, is that if you look how many people get a liver by liver transplantation, you see that there is around 6,000 people every year which get the liver. So basically, you can roughly say that a vast majority of the patient who have end-stage liver disease will actually never get a liver. So this is a major problem. And to solve this problem, you have to think of all the different opportunities you would have to help this patient. And one aspect which seems to be quite interesting would be to use a cell-based therapy to help this patient by transplanting cells in this disease patient. And people are thinking very hard how to do such approach. And there are many different research avenues at the moment where people are transplanting or testing mature hepatocytes, which are the mature liver cells that is basically failing in this organ and transplant hepatocytes in this patient. People are looking also at different, different type of cells, of stem cells, going from the ES cell, which is the embryonic stem cells, to the iPS cells, which is the used pluripotent stem cells, to liver stem cells, all kind of cells which can generate eventually hepatocytes that can be transplanted and restore liver function. Are there conditions with the liver that might preclude the use of a cell therapy? Yes. The issue here, again, if you look now, again, liver disease, what kind of patient really is of the need of an organ transplant or a cell-based therapy? The majority of these patients are basically dying of liver disease, end-stage liver disease. And if you look at this patient carefully, you realize that they're really in bad shape. I mean, their organ is failing. So they have a fibrotic, cirrhotic organ, the liver, dying. And people are postulating that cell-based therapy may help this patient, but actually it may be really difficult because of the fact that the environment is just so destroyed that transplanting cells in such environment might actually not help. So 
So you've chosen to pursue an alternative strategy. Can you briefly give us an overview yes. of that? So basically, what we know is that the liver is an extremely regenerative organ, meaning that if you remove a third of the liver, maybe up to half of the liver, the remaining part of the liver will regenerate extremely fast. So we know the regenerative potential is present there in the liver. And we know that in the end-stage patient, the basically cell-based therapy may not be possible. So what we are trying to do is try to see if we can actually regenerate a liver function outside the liver, not focusing on trying to repair an organ that may be basically dying, but try to actually recreate the function that's really needed in this patient somewhere else. And that was basically the start of this work, which we started several years ago, where we use an animal models, which is not a really an end-stage liver disease that you see exactly in patient, but it's a metabolic disorder. But it basically gives rise to the same result, that if we don't do a cell transplantation or if you want a liver transplant, they will die. And so what we try to do is to transplant these animals into places that are not the liver, but other places, and ask the question, can you regenerate liver function in this animal model? And can you regenerate liver function enough to actually even rescue this animal. From your studies, what has happened? What happened is something I would consider extraordinary because it it doesn't happen often that you do an experiment and the result is actually much more extraordinary than you would expect it would be, which is basically when we transplanted cells in different locations, we found one location which seems to be very efficient. And this location was by injecting the cells in the body in what they call the peritoneal cavity, which is basically the place where you have most of the organs. We transplanted the cells in, and what happened is that the cells migrated into the lymphatic system and regenerated mini livers in a different place in the lymphatic system and in the lymph nodes. So we should point out to our listeners that at this point, these results come from studies in mice. So the bridge to using this in humans is not a short bridge at this point. Sure. At the moment, we have the proof of concept, what we would call a proof of concept, in a small animal model. And we show that in a small animal model, it works very well. We rescue the animals. Now, the big question is, can we do this in patient? If you look first at the technology, the technology is extremely simple. It's basically just getting the cells, the liver cells, and transplanting the liver cells into lymph nodes. But if we take the liberty of extrapolating this to where it might wind up, if this is successful in humans, you could replace a diseased or defective liver by these mini livers you create by this process you just described. Yes, that would be the idea. There would be probably, if you think we could try, we could regenerate a liver mass that is enough to help the patient. It might not be the final solution. It might not be that you restore really a functional liver outside the liver. You just restore some liver function to help the patient to wait for a liver transplant. A liver transplant is a very complex business. You have to be qualified to get a liver transplant. If you're too sick, you will not get a liver transplant. So this technology could be used, for example, to help some of the patient to be better before you do a liver transplant. The interesting analogy that comes to mind is that 
I see in other disease states or organ systems that physicians and scientists use mechanical devices as bridges to transplant. And in this case, you're actually suggesting a modification of the patient to serve in this capacity, which is a very interesting and very promising approach. Yeah, and you know, when you think about it, why is it that they work so well? Because the paper that we published, we basically show that the migration in the lymphatic system and the generation of this mini liver is quite extraordinary. You generate a mini organ outside where the organ would be. And this just with cells and the need of function, which is liver function. And basically what happened is a few cells migrate in the lymphatics and then generate this mini organ with all the vasculature going on. You know, the function of the liver is just a big filter. And you need a massive vasculature to get into the liver to filtrate all your blood and do all the metabolic function necessary. And what we show and demonstrate in this paper is that we were able to generate basically this filter outside the liver. And we generate like 75% of the mass of the liver. The liver is one of the biggest internal organs that you have in your body. So it's a large tissue that has to be regenerated. And we were able to do that. So I think in terms of the result, I would consider this a quite extraordinary because we recreate organogenesis in the lymphatic system. Now, when you think about why that would work so well in lymph nodes, in a human body, you have around 500 lymph nodes. And when you're sick, for example, in a viral infection, you can actually feel some of the lymph node basically getting bigger. And the reason they're getting bigger is because lymph nodes are populated by a cell called lymphocytes, a T-cells, which the job of the T-cell is to kill the viral infection. So when you have a viral infection, you have a signal going into the T-cell population. The T-cell population will migrate into the lymph nodes. They will expand. So the lymph node is basically a mini bioreactors, an in vivo bioreactors that you carry in your body. It will expand massively generate all the lymphocytes necessary to kill the virus, and then they will migrate back and get rid of the viral infections. That's the role of the lymph nodes. We also know that in disease, like for example cancer, lymph nodes are invaded by cancer cells. And this is not a random process. I mean, cancer is a massive selection occurring when people have cancer. And the tumor cells are very plastic. Genetically, they're very plastic. They can evolve very well. So you can see the tumor cells as a cell which is under selection and is looking for a place that would allow to survive better. And interestingly, the place that seems to be the first place that the cancer would go after it expands as a primary cancer, which is a metastatic process, will be by infiltrating into the lymph nodes. So I don't think this is something which is random. This is something by design the tumors select the lymph node as being the best environment. It's also ironic because the T cells present in the lymph node are actually the cell which kill tumor cells. And it's very sort of strange that the tumor cell would found, go to the dungeon in the castle, get there and repopulate this place, which as an immunologist, you would think that's probably the last place a tumor cell would want to go. And it's the place they go. And they expand there. So the fact that we do this now with normal cells, with uh, hepatocytes, for example, is, in my view, quite interesting for many, many different reasons. One of them, as we said, that could help patients with liver disease, help them to expand. But it's also an interesting question about cancer and tumors and why they migrate into lymph nodes and the fact that normal hepatocytes can also migrate in a lymph node. 
like a tumor cells, without any genetic mutation, indicate that basically any adult cells might be able to do it if they're under stress. Very interesting, actually very fascinating. So if this concept works for hepatic function, is it possible to, for example, get kidney function by this technique? Kidney might be a little bit difficult. Our two organs that we're focusing on at the moment are the thymus and the islet cells. And the work is not published, so I'm not, I'll not tell too much about it. I just can tell you that it works. So we know it's a great location to do a lot of different tissues. Very interesting. So how do you move forward in terms of these fascinating findings and trying to ultimately make this a clinical reality if that's possible? For the liver, again, as I said before, as I started, 100,000 people present every day show up in a hospital with end-stage liver disease, 6,000, which is only 6% of the people getting a liver, so 94% of the people with end-stage liver disease had no options to get, apparently, a liver transplant. You have to know that on the waiting list, 20,000 people are on the waiting list, and only 6,000 get their liver. So 80,000 people are not even on the waiting list. Because if you're too old, meaning 70 and older, you probably will not get on the liver transplant. If you have comorbidity, other issues, other problems, you might not get on the liver transplant. And liver transplant costs a lot of money. So there is, I think, a really a need to find new technology. I think our approach can be a technology that might help patients. We don't know yet. We need to get closer to the patient. So one step we are trying to do at the moment is demonstrate the validity of what we have shown in mice in larger animals. And that's what we are doing at the moment. And I'm also in talk with other people to maybe initiate clinical trial. You indicated earlier it took you a number of years to get to this point, and I think it's safe to say that it's at least a number of years forward before a clinical trial could even be feasible, just in terms of our listeners who might have interest or needs in this emerging technology. Yes, yes. So, Dr. Lagasse, this is truly fascinating results, and we wish you and your colleagues best wishes as you move forward with your studies in this important area. We will list Dr. Lagasse's website on the podcast website, so if you want to explore in more detail, his very interesting research program. As we conclude this podcast, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. And if you have suggestions in terms of podcasts, you can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you and look forward to joining you in two weeks with another story about regenerative medicine.